Welcome back, dreamers, for another serving of the Dolphin Dreams podcast. Thanks for joining us last time for our wonderful Christmas episode. And there was just way more that I wanted to share in my interview with Bryn. So here you go, Bryn Williams, Broadway and beyond. My very first audition song was I Don't Want to Live on the Moon by Ernie. Oh, it was my so six-year-old me singing I Don't Want to Live on the Moon to audition for um, a dinner theater production of The King and I. It's a whole different Cute. problematic uh, for those of yes, you who don't know, yes. I am black and <laughs> should not be in The King and I, but I did audition for The King and I, singing I Don't Want to Live on the Moon. I mean, I'm sure there could be some, you know, it, it is it is still a multi- I don't know, I don't know how to explain that, especially in a point where I'm like, we're at a point where it's like, you could do casting that way, or we could just be better. Let's yeah. just be better. <laughs> let's be better. Like, let's, ju- <laughs> let's just be better. Um, now, did you get a lot of reception on the road about being um, a woman of color playing a role that in the film was played by um, a white woman? Did you did you get any kind of bounce back on that? Or I was everybody just kind of super welcoming and just loving the story so much that they didn't... I didn't think? get any bounce back about it Mm -hmm. um i got support from people of color who were very excited and very happy and um uh people who would come to the stage door specifically because they were black and i had to say i had to say hi to the black violet i had to i had to see you i had to shake your hand and tell you how amazing this was um one thing about our show was that our understudy for Willy Wonka was black, Clyde Voce, who is yeah. unbelievable, just the sweetest guy in the world and amazingly talented and um, very clearly black. And so when he <laughs> yeah. would turn around and it, it would take a second where the, the audience would go, hmm, but the show would go on and they just accepted it. So I don't know of any bounce back. But um, our, and I don't know if he received any bounce back being a Black Willy Wonka, but it was all really welcoming and really positive. And I was, I was surprised. I was all ready to be, you know, I was, I was all ready to put on mm-hmm. my, my mm-hmm. civil rights. I can play Violet. Where does it say Violet can't be Black? You know, and mm-hmm. I was ready to put that hat on and never needed it. Mm-hmm. Now, how exhausting is that for you as an actress? And like, you're very, you're very active in social media and things, but like, you're very warm and welcoming and um, kind. Like, how is that to do what you do and just do your job and like keep auditioning and booking these roles, but then feeling the need to like, like we had the Little Mermaid debacle that happened mm-hmm. with with Hallie Williams, who is an insanely talented actress and singer, who is going to be an amazing Ariel. How how is that to see that happening around you? Do like because you got to hit a point where it's just like you're you have to be like I'm tired. I don't want to educate people anymore. This isn't. I shouldn't have to do this. Is is that exhausting for you to kind of see that and feel the need to defend that um, constantly? Feeling the need to defend it isn't exhausting because I've experienced uh, I've, I've experienced things like that my entire life. You know, so that's not. That never gets exhausting. The exhausting part is um, actually straddling that line or, you know, playing, playing with that line between 
standing up for myself and being mm-hmm. the angry black woman, you know, where it's the, the hard thing is not standing up for myself or feeling, feeling the need to constantly defend it because I mean, in, in theater, you, regardless of what ethnicity you are, you can have to defend whether or not you're right for the role just based on some random person not thinking you're talented enough mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard thing is being in this industry where so much of it um, is based on your connections and the relationships that you build with people and not developing that rep that reputation for being difficult. So I can't pop off without having an attitude problem. So that's more, that's more frustrating where, where you, you just feel like you have to, to say the right words. And I, I even, I'm doing it right now, you know, because it's a sensitive subject Mm -hmm. and it's delicate and you don't want to come across as one way or the other. So the hard thing is defending yourself while feeling like you have to be Mm likable. So it's that cause of like, like, ability. Yeah, I only ask because I know a lot of the students at University of Florida are a lot of my listener base right now. And we're going through a lot of this where like we have, you know, one student of color and well, like one African-American student in our entire musical theater program um, and uh, students who are, you know, uh, who are being told they're being too sensitive or they're Mm -hmm. being angry. And I'm just watching a lot of these people who are vibrant and insanely talented performers being dampened Mm -hmm. because they just they're just like I guess I can be quiet and get my degree and leave and then it doesn't kind of help deal with that so it's just one of the reasons why I ask is just because I know it can be daunting because this industry seems so large and so hard to kind of traverse especially Mm -hmm. now that you have the fans are this added component because the internet is such a huge component of fan culture mm-hmm. and and every uh, information is accessible to everybody and they can go oh I know who, I know who played that role in that city for that one performance mm-hmm. and have something to say about it um so it's good but I think no I think it's I think it's good for you to I don't want to say speak your truth because that seems kind of condescending and pedantic but like I I think we should be at a point where you shouldn't have to feel like you need to be careful with your words mm-hmm. and that you can just speak what is honestly happening because a lot of it's nonsense and it needs to be addressed. Now, kind of talking, you know, Muppets are a lot like uh, a really cool show you got to do last year that I saw that I loved, which was SpongeBob. Yes. Um, You know, now that's a Nickelodeon property, but well, Tina Landau is a genius who I worship because of like her kind of, she doesn't typically do like the big commercial shows like SpongeBob. She does really cool things like working with Tarava McCraney and like her, the list, I mean, you know, you worked with her, Um, but like you all did so much amazing, interesting things to SpongeBob, which is a show that could have gone wrong in every way, shape and form. Absolutely. Um, Can you, can you talk about that experience of kind of creating that thing that's larger than life as an artist and how you pull your own like love of the Muppets and love of these kind of whimsical things into how you all created those characters because you had a really interesting challenge you covered quite a lot of the roles I did and you were in the ensemble yeah yes so it was well first of all I want to say that I 
went in to audition for SpongeBob. Like, they're really making a musical of SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, and, and, and my my snobby theater personality came out of me <laughs> in a major way where I was like, oh. Oh, can we not have any original stories anymore? Is there nothing oh, that too. we're willing to take a chance on? Mm-hmm. Can't we just, I mean, it was a whole <laughs> internal angry Bryn monologue. Um and first day of rehearsal, and now they did a they did an out of town run in Chicago, and I auditioned for it to go to Chicago, and I ended up not booking it, and just by happenstance was in Chicago while they were doing it. I was directing a production of Thirteen with Eamon Foley, who was also in Thirteen, oh, and yeah. he goes, "We're going to see SpongeBob," and I was like. Oh, I don't want to go see it. I don't want to see it. And I sat there and he was like, it's fine. We can sit in the front row and we can hate watch it. And I was like, fine. You know, and so, (laughs) so I go and I sit in the front row and intermission comes and he turns and he looks at me and he goes, well, and I said, I'm loving it. Oh, I'm loving Mm -hmm. it. And I'm a huge SpongeBob fan from Mm -hmm. just day one. Um, and I ended up booking it when it came to Broadway and I was a swing covering Sandy, Pearl, and Mrs. Puff and other ensemble members. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that Tina said was, um, don't engage with the, with the internet trolls. Don't engage. She said, we know what we are and the work, we're, the work will speak for itself. And I will never forget that. She said, we know what we are. The work will speak for itself. Um, Our goal is to make Broadway fans SpongeBob fans and SpongeBob fans Broadway fans. And um, so we're using the source material. We are respecting the source material, but we're also um, showing it in a new way. Another thing she said was, we're not doing mascots. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a big square mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. We can imply that without it being mm-hmm. without it being there. So there there were moments in the show where um when Ethan would stand, Ethan Slater who played SpongeBob would stand in a in a spot and the light around him would be square. Mm-hmm. or certain things that the characters would say. So you know what SpongeBob looks like. It's yeah. just, we're just telling this new story. So it was it was really fascinating being a part of this creative process. And I wasn't even with it from the beginning like other actors were. But just coming into it and really getting your hands dirty. And um, another one of the things that Tina said was... Um, you have the character voice, now let it go. Because mm-hmm. Ethan can do a spot on SpongeBob voice. But when you watched the show, there was essence of SpongeBob, but mm-hmm. there was also essence of Ethan. So mm-hmm. she was very particular about that and then letting it go. Same thing with um, Wesley Taylor, who was Plankton, came in with like such a great Plankton voice that I, like, he could have gone on to to be on the cartoon. Yeah. And she yeah. was like, now let it go. Not so cartoony. We're doing, we're telling a real story, a real story that relates. And mm-hmm. um, 
is poignant and is uh, very timely. So let it go. And she gave us that freedom to where, in a way similar with the Muppets, where our acting came in and where our portraying of the character wasn't so much with our voice. Our voice was there, but the way that it really came across was in the physicalities. Everything is very, very physical. So the hardest part for me going from Mrs. Puff to a Pearl to a Sandy was um, the different physicalities. Uh, So Pearl, teenager, Mm -hmm. uh, everything is very heavy, very weighted and Mm -hmm. sunk into one hip. So that's the Pearl stance. Mrs. Puff was um, teacher. So I would stand in first position and my feet were always together and my hands were always up. Sandy, very confident. She had a very wide stance. But as someone who wasn't a sea creature, um, my Sandy always had a little bit of movement like she was being pushed by the current or by the flow there was something a little off and not as comfortable in the sandy stance that's so cool i mean i i had friends who uh wanted to see the show and i know you were in it and i knew alex gibby was in it Mm -hmm. and i um and so i was like you know what and like uh, Galen was in it and yes. Kevin Moonlow and like this ca- the cast was ridiculous and I just um, uh, Curtis Holbrook was in that mm-hmm. too I believe a stacked and, like, so cast just, like, a stacked cast a stacked cast so I was like you know what I'm gonna go I sat in the balcony and I loved every mm-hmm. single moment and what what I loved was I was I was in the cheap seats I was in those rush seats and so the people around me were all from Jersey, Long Island, Staten Island. They were local, but they were people who were seeing theater for the first time mm-hmm. or seeing professional theater. And a kid next to me was like, Mom, do we have theater in our town? I want to go see more. And <gasps> I was like, theater in our town. Ugh. And I was like, yes. Like, honestly, I can I can put my nonsense theater person stuff aside because if every night 2,000 new kids or even 1,000 kids were being inspired to go do theater or even just go see theater, that is the most important thing. And you all did an like insane, like just insane. Um, And I think what they did with Sandy was really smart. Mm -hmm. That idea of they were able to have a conversation about race and belonging and who belongs. um, Right. And And immigration and... and And I mean, all things that are painfully poignant that like you don't expect to get out of a SpongeBob, that it wasn't childish. They weren't speaking down to anybody, but you knew, you knew everyone's stance on it. And I think it was really, really important. Um, And so I just bravo for you guys, because that was such a good show. And I was, I was gutted when it closed and I know Mm -hmm. there was the stuff with the theater, but um, yeah, like I, uh, yeah. You know, it was it, it was way better than it had any right to be. But like mm-hmm. it just it was just uh, it's one of those special ones where you go, I'm really glad I saw it. And I'm really glad I got to be in that space um, to to get to take part in that. So I think it was really, um, really important.
Thanks again for joining us for our first bonus episode of 2020. Happy New Year's, everyone. Just like always, your rating and review is the most important thing you can do for us. So head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our show. Give us a five-star review, a great rating, then uh, interact with us on Facebook. Head on over to Instagram and Twitter. Check out our Patreon. We're only $2 a month. Just helps us continue the show going. It'll get us some new sound equipment this year. And I can hire some research and researchers and some actual script writers. I know you guys have been going on with me, but I would love to employ more artists to bring you all a better show. Join us next week as we're Trash on the Camp with my guest Case Aiken and I discuss the 1999 Phil Collins Fuel Jungle Adventure, Tarzan! Until next time, dreamers, may your days be filled with dull whip and dreams. <laughs>